Hi, I'm Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing that I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 70. Well, hello and welcome back to the Healing Catalyst podcast, my friends. I am so, so, so excited today because I've been getting so many messages from all of you about the last two episodes about connection to others, telling me that you have found the episode so interesting and so incredibly helpful. If you haven't already listened, make sure you go back and listen to episodes 68 and 69. They're linked in the show notes for you. Now, I'm excited that you enjoyed those episodes, but I'm even more excited because this episode, wow, I got to talk to someone who I have been hoping I'd be able to interview on this podcast and learn from. And here I am a few years later. And not only did I get to talk to Divya Atler on my podcast, but I also met her in person and had tea with her when I was in New York City a few weeks ago. And I'm also taking a course with her right now, her six-month Ayurvedic cooking and nutrition course. And before I introduce Divya to all of you, I want to make sure that you know that if you also want to learn from Divya, let's say you're just really inspired by the episode, or maybe you've read her cookbooks and you've followed her for a while. She has just released a masterclass series on Ayurvedic cooking, which features over eight hours of guided video instruction, interactive workbooks, and study guides. I have to tell you, this series is incredible. It's incredibly produced. The visuals are beautiful. Her teaching is beautiful. And, you know, really, if you have ever wanted to learn the foundational skills or concepts or recipes of Ayurvedic cooking, you must take this masterclass. It really is the ultimate companion for cooks of all levels, whether you're a beginner or an experienced home chef. Now, as a member of the Healing Catalyst podcast community, you will get the entire masterclass series for 40% off. And in addition, you'll get a bonus of three live cooking classes with Divya with questions and answers if you join by December 15th. There's a link in the show notes where you can access that incredible offer. Okay, so today let's continue our exploration of connection to others through food with my guest, Divya Atler, which honestly feels so fitting given that next week is Thanksgiving here in the United States, when we all gather to connect with friends and family through food. Divya is the pioneering chef and author who's bringing Ayurveda cooking to the modern world. She has nearly 30 years of experience studying, practicing, and teaching Indian spiritual philosophy, yoga, Sanskrit chanting, and vegetarian cooking throughout Europe, India, and the United States. Originally from Bulgaria, Divya has studied and taught Sanskrit in Sweden and India, and she's assisted in the translation of many of the Ayurvedic ancient texts. But that's not all. In addition, Divya is the author of two groundbreaking cookbooks, What to Eat for How You Feel, and her newest cookbook, The Joy of Balance, which was just published in October of 2022. She's also the chef and restaurateur of Divya's Kitchen, an award-winning Ayurvedic restaurant in New York City, and she's the creator of a line of Ayurvedic pantry goods. And in this way, Divya has introduced the wisdom of Ayurveda to hundreds of thousands of people around the world. But her greatest passion is truly teaching. And I know that you will experience that in this episode. Over the last 13 years, she's worked with more than 20,000 students. And she's also the founder of North America's first Ayurvedic nutrition and culinary training program, which I mentioned earlier that I'm actually taking right now. In our conversation, we dive into Divya's discovery of Ayurveda as a teenager growing up in communist-controlled Bulgaria and the journey that she took to become an Ayurvedic nutritional consultant and educator, and then went on to become a culinary chef. 
We talk about the differences between Ayurvedic cooking and other cooking philosophies and what to consider when cooking for yourself and for others. We also discuss tips for eating during the holidays to support your digestion and your health. And she also shares some recipes for digestive teas and tonics. Divya also shares what she's learned about the power of connection through food and why it is so healing to cook for others. I am truly honored to share my conversation with Chef Divya Otler about the healing medicine of connection to others through cooking and food. Well, hello, Divya. Thank you so much for joining me. I am so, so happy to have you and honored, actually, to have you on my podcast. You know, I have to tell you, I'll admit that you have been on my list on sort of my vision board of the guests that I wanted to have on my podcast. And so I am so, so thrilled and honored to have you. So thank you for doing this with me today. Oh, thank you for having me, Avanti. It's a pleasure and an honor for me as well. Oh, well, thank you. Well, you know, we got to meet a few weeks ago when I was in New York City and had some time to have some tea in your beautiful, beautiful restaurant, which was just, again, such a fangirl moment for me because I have followed your work for quite a while and, you know, got your first cookbook a few years ago and have been a big fan. So let's dive in. You know, we are this month in the month of November talking about the idea of connection to others. And, you know, food is such a big way that we connect to others. And with the holidays, right, food is so central to the way that we gather and that we connect with our families and our loved ones, especially after coming out of the pandemic where we were all isolated so much. And so I know everyone is really looking forward to gathering. So we'll talk about some holiday eating tips. But, you know, I really wanted to start with this question for you is, How did you find Ayurveda? I would love for you to share that with our listeners. Yeah, well, I'm from Bulgaria. I was born there. I grew up there. And when I was 17, 18 years old, the way I rebelled, I was a rebel. The way I wanted to distinguish myself from the rest of the world was that I decided to be a yogi Mm. or a, a yogini. And... And it was very different at that time because Bulgaria was still a communist country uh, and everything spiritual was forbidden. There were some books on yoga, but uh, all the spiritual parts of yoga were taken out. It was just the, the body exercise. <laughs> I, was, I was just walking down the street and I met a person who was running an underground yoga ashram in my wow. town. And it was really fun for me. <laughs> I loved uh I loved the class, but at the I was also trying to be a vegetarian because I heard that yogis a vegetarian for health reasons, for ethical reasons. But I it was so difficult for me to be a vegetarian because it was not part of the culture. I was young, I didn't know how to cook, and also there was no education. I I didn't know how to be a healthy vegetarian. So uh, at the end of this yoga class, they served an incredible meal, like a feast of Indian vegetarian dishes that I've never tasted before. It was so delicious and colorful and flavorful. And, and I just became an intern and started um, learning how to cook. So this is how my cooking career began. Wow. <laughs> Together with my yoga and spiritual practice. So this is how I heard about Ayurveda, because Ayurveda originated in ancient India, and this is where yoga comes from as well. So Ayurveda and yoga are like two sisters. They're like sister sciences, and they run. It's like the two tracks of a road. So that's how it all began. Later, I went to India, and I studied there for five years. And this is when I really experienced Ayurvedic treatments. I met my first Ayurvedic doctor and I started studying Ayurveda just to learn how to take care of myself. So yes, that was many years ago. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that you, again, you know, you grew up in Bulgaria, communist country, and you said that this was not available and you found an underground group of people who were practicing yoga. What attracted you to stop and say, I'm going to do this? Were you on a spiritual path, do you think? Were you 
having health issues? What was sort of the reason that you decided, oh, let me go do this? I didn't have health issues, but, and I, I don't know if I was on a spiritual path, really. I guess I was because I was brought up as an atheist. I didn't believe in God during my childhood. That was the culture. And, but somehow during that time, I almost had like an existential crisis. I was like, this doesn't make, the world as it is doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> it's just, I, I need to go deeper. I need to understand what my purpose is. I need to understand who am I? Um, and so these questions led me to read books on yoga and then from there start my spiritual practice. And then I'm like, yeah, I, a divine being, God, a divine energy, that makes total sense to me. And, and, um, and then this, this practice of yoga, yoga means to connect, to link, right? So the practice of yoga ultimately lead, can lead us to experiencing that divine connection in our life. Right. And so then you went to India and you studied for some time. Had you already become a chef? Had you already gone through your culinary training? At that point, or did that come after your study, your deeper study in Ayurveda in India? I was already, I wouldn't say I was a chef. I was a trained cook uh, because I cooked at the ashram for 30 to 50 people every day. Mm -hmm. But you have to understand, Avanti, the, the training, the culinary training at the ashram is very different than a culinary school, for example, that I started later on. Sure. It's um, because in the ashram, Cooking, yes, you know, we're cooking, we're preparing food, and you have to have basic skills to do that. But <laughs> the focus was like cleanliness. So the kitchen was impeccable clean. I had to be impeccably clean when I was preparing the food, but also it's like the consciousness during the food preparation. That was mm. a huge focus. And that's something that is still ingrained in me. I still practice. It's like, what are your thoughts while you're preparing the food? Different actions turned into almost like a prayerful, mindful experience. So very different training than what people learn in, in culinary schools today. But I'm very grateful. It was precious for me. Right. And so you had this beautiful experience of cooking in the ashram and being exposed to this Ayurvedic philosophy of food preparation, of cooking, and then you had your culinary training. I'm really curious to know, was that at odds for you? How did you manage that? Because what comes up for me is sort of this, my own personal experience of growing up with Ayurveda as a South Asian woman, and then going to medical school. And they're very different worlds, although they are going towards the same direction of helping people heal, they are very different worlds. How was that for you? Well, I always, I always kept uh, my goal, right? My purpose. Uh, so first of all, I always felt connected to food and I was always attracted and curious about the healing and medicinal properties of food and how to use food for healing. So that became my, my goal, my focus. I want to learn that, right? So that's one aspect of it. And Ayurveda brings a lot of information, a lot of knowledge about how to use food for healing. The other aspect of culinary practice is the actual the techniques. <laughs> so the knife skills, the, um, the kitchen organization, following a recipe, keeping your station clean, different cooking techniques. So creating recipes. So all, all this is taught in, in modern culinary schools. So what we did with our Ayurvedic nutrition and culinary training offered at Bhagavad Life. Bhagavad Life is our nonprofit educational and our school. We combined the two because people, people who want to learn Ayurvedic cooking, they need to have the skills, the regular culinary skills but they also need the Ayurvedic foundation and knowledge and peace in terms of digestion, food compatibility, all these things. So somehow we managed to combine the two and we've been teaching 
the Ayurvedic Nutrition Colony Training, we've been offering this certification program for, I don't know how many years, since 2015, <laughs> seven mm -hmm. years, seven, eight years. Yeah, and it's been such a transformational experience for me, and I can see also for the hundreds of students who've taken this training. Yeah, well, I can attest to that. And I've just started that training with you just a few weeks ago. I was telling you when I met you that I actually found out about your cooking education, your course several years ago, but it was only offered in New York City at that point. This was pre-pandemic. And I thought, oh, someday I'm going to do that. And then when I heard that it was online, I think I was the first person to sign up. I was like, I'm doing it. And this is exactly why I'm doing it, because I want to learn sort of the proper techniques and understand how that comes together with the Ayurvedic philosophy. So that kind of leads me to the next question, right? Because I think what's so important about what you teach to your students and even through your restaurant, through your beautiful cookbooks, you have your second cookbook that just came out, your masterclasses that you just launched for, you know, the general layperson who isn't in your culinary school, which we will talk about later. I think what's so important is that you are bringing together that knowledge of understanding how to cook, but also infusing this Ayurvedic philosophy that is all about using food as medicine. And so maybe the first place to start is really to explain how would you say that Ayurvedic cooking is different than other philosophies or ways of cooking? Is there a distinction? Why is it so important to learn? the Ayurvedic philosophy of cooking? Yes, it's the Ayurvedic philosophy brings, really helps you establish a very deep relationship with food. So Ayurveda helps you take your experience with food, first of all, making it very personalized experience using the foods that are best for you today. But also um, it takes you deeper into experiencing relationship with food, understanding food, not just with nutritional facts and its, its physical components, but also the the healing, the vibrational aspects that food can support you with whatever you're doing. So like to me, the difference is like learning how to simple dance move and moves and learning how to be a ballet dancer, right? So it's Ayurveda really refines not just the, how to prepare the food, to be most balancing for you, but also the subtle aspects. Ayurveda incorporates all the subtle aspects and influence of food as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is you know where we should sort of dive into some of these principles of Ayurvedic cooking and eating. You know, because again, as I mentioned, when this episode goes live, we're in November, and this is you know the big holiday gathering time in the United States, right? It'll be a week before Thanksgiving. And so many of us have probably already started holiday gatherings and meeting people. And before we get into specific eating tips, let's first talk about maybe the digestive fire, because I know that that is so central when we're talking about how we cook, how we eat, how we use food as medicine, right? So mm -hmm. let's start there. What happens to the digestion or why is it so important to maybe keep that digestive fire strong? Yeah, it's funny, Avanti, because as an Ayurvedic chef, I always think about, I prepare the, as I prepare or plan even the meal, I always think, how would people digest what I'm preparing, right? That's mm. always my forefront. I want them to enjoy the food, but I also want them to, to help digest them. Right. I just want to click into that because I think we in this country gets so focused on what specific dish. It's, it's more about the actual preparation of the food. And sometimes we forget about that piece of how are the people who we are preparing food, how will they receive it? And, and how are they going to be able to digest it, assimilate it, process it? I just wanted to make sure we click into that. That's really important. No, it's so essential because it really helps us to, what is there? It, it helps support our experience after after we eat the food, right? So it's it's not just enjoying the taste and enjoying the meal while you're eating it, but how do you feel after? And I don't blame modern chefs because they're just not trained to 
in in this in the in the digestive aspects of food. So I I don't blame them for not providing this, but but it's it's such an essential point because we we all experience this. You Thanksgiving comes, Christmas or whatever holiday it may be. We stuff ourselves, we eat and eat and eat, and then there's so many leftovers and we eat leftovers for several days and then we feel terrible right? <laughs> for, for weeks sometimes. Mm-hmm. So Ayurveda can help, help us, well, first of all, prepare our bodies before the holiday um, and then incorporate little digestive aids like it could be a tea or a simple spice mix that can help you enjoy whatever because usually with holidays it's almost like a potluck some everybody brings a dish or everybody cooks something so it's a mix of of dishes um so you can still enjoy the food during the holidays but there are little tips that you ayurvedic tips that you can do just to help you feel lighter and better after your meal and then what do you do? How, how to lighten up, so to say, Sure. for a few days after the holiday meals. Right. Let's go back before we jump into those tips, because we can talk about the before, during, and after. I like that sort of frame of how people can think about how to approach all these holiday gatherings. And actually, it's not just the holidays. It's any time of the year when you're, when you're going to be gathering with your family and friends. But I want to go back to this idea of when you are planning a meal, when you're thinking about what you're going to prepare, even on a daily basis, right? I mean, this is, these are principles that apply to every day, every meal. How do we start to think about that digestive process of how our bodies will digest the food? Like, how do we approach that? Because that feels a little overwhelming. Yes. Well, first, I think it's, it's important to, to learn a little bit, right? To, so, so to understand how our digestion works and and to understand the different types of digestion so oh i'm kind of feeling nauseous and not hungry and kind of heavy in the stomach that's one type of indigestion <laughs> like you ate something late at night last night and in the morning you feel like ah oh, i don't feel so good it's kind of nauseous so another type is when you have this burning digestion that you you, you get acidity or heartburn and or you're always hungry, like you have to eat every two hours and you're still very skinny. <laughs> so that's another type of digestion. Or I call this the fiery digestion. Or you could have the airy type of digestion when you eat something and then you have an episode of bloating and gas and, and it's just so uncomfortable, cramps. Um, or maybe you're blessed with the with the balanced type of digestion when you when you eat and you just feel happy and energized and you have regular bowel movements and you have your optimal weight, that's kind of, that's what we, we hope to get. That's where we hope to get right from Mm -hmm. our, most of us, Yes. but very few people actually enjoy this balanced type of digestion. So in terms of what, how to cook for your digestion, I always and I explain this in great detail in the master classes that we just released. And it's very visual. It's actually very easy to understand. So, so the way I always tell people is so connect with yourself first. So how do you feel today? Do you feel kind of heavy and low appetite? Or are you, are you really starving? You're really hungry? So depending on how you feel, and don't say I feel great. What does it mean? <laughs> how do right. you feel in your stomach? <laughs> right. How does your stomach feel today? So, so if you're if you're kind of not hungry and if you're kind of really sluggish, then maybe it's a good time to fast or, or have like something stimulating like a ginger tea or something to, to help you move things down. Or if you're starving, then you need a heavier meal. You need heavier foods, a little bit more fat, a little bit more protein to satisfy that burning fire in your stomach. And and then if if you're kind of feeling very gassy, avoid like the gas producing foods or the airy type of foods like cruciferous vegetables, like cabbage and broccoli and cauliflower, or eating a raw salad will only make you more airy and bloated. So 
I explain this in great detail in my books and, and masterclasses. Yes, you do. And, and for the listeners, what you just described is really the idea, you know, that golden principle in Ayurveda of like increases like and opposites, opposites reduce. Because what you're describing is that if you are having that very heavy sort of lethargic feeling, a lot of earth, right? You want to do the opposite, which is perhaps fast and, and add something stimulating to make things move along, to create some movement, right? And get rid of that sluggishness. So that's the opposite. And then when you described, you know, the airy feeling, right, of if you eat more cruciferous vegetables and raw vegetables or raw salads on top of feeling gassy or constipated, that's just going to increase that because it's like increases like. And so perhaps doing the opposite, some cooked vegetables with some, you know, healthy fats, things like that. And, and so that's what you're also describing. And, you know, your masterclasses are beautiful in explaining this because of the visuals. I've, I've watched them beautiful and very, very helpful. Thank you. And there's one more piece that's unique to Ayurvedic preparation of food is having knowledge of proper food compatibility. Yes. Or food combining, as people call it nowadays. So because two foods can be very, two ingredients can be very good, all natural, fresh, organic, whatever, and they can be good for you individually. They can support your digestion, your well-being individually, but they may not digest well together when you eat them together. So Ayurveda gives very detailed knowledge of what foods are compatible and what foods are not compatible. So, because very often we experience, we think that we're eating the healthiest food, right? And But we don't apply the principles of food compatibility, and then we still experience um, digestive issues. For example, um, many people combine yogurt and fruit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this, can, this alone can produce a lot of bloating or gas or heaviness in, 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 the, in the digestive systems. Or I don't eat meat, but some people combine meat and dairy. So that's a really bad combination for digestion. There are many. So in my, in, in Joy of Balance, my new cookbook, in the appendix, I actually created a table which gives you like, you can, we can kind of copy and put it on your fridge and look at these food combinations and, and try to follow it because you would be surprised how much better you feel in your digestive system if you just follow these simple, if you don't change anything else, you just follow the food compatibility principles. And unfortunately, modern chefs are not trained in that either. So that's why you can go to a very fancy restaurant, three Michelin stars and enjoy a 12 menu, 12 item tasting meal. But feel ter- and really enjoy the service and everything, but feel terrible the next day because of the food compatibility. Right. And so let me ask you this, because I know this is the next question for everyone who's listening, including myself. Are there some general, some of the more important food compatibility sort of basics that we can start with? Because I know it gets it gets very specific. It's based on your dosha, or your mind body constitution, on what's going on. But what are some general, maybe two or three tips that we can follow just to get started? Well, always one thing. One thing is to always eat seasonal. Yes, right? that's part of compatibility. So select seasonal ingredients, and if you don't know what they are, go to the farmers market. <laughs> but also. See, uh, you use seasonal seasonings, right? So prepare season. You use incorporate seasonal techniques. So right now we're in the fall season. It's kind of cold and windy. It was raining a lot yesterday here in New York City. So we, when it's cold and windy, we need warm food. We need moist food to counteract the dryness in our body. Um, so that's all compatible. That's all part of compatibility. And you use seasonal vegetables like root vegetables. Add a little more cooking fat like ghee or good olive oil. You can have more grains, like something grounding to produce heavier to to balance in the cold season. So uh, another aspect is seasonal, but also local, right? So some people like I know this. I don't know about 
Chicago where you are, Avanti, but in, in New York, you can get food from all over the world. Oh, and, for sure. And restaurants from all over the world, right? Absolutely. So don't try to have like South Indian food in the middle of November in in New York City because the two different climates, South Indian food is made for South India. It right. balances you there. And then and then in New York you need a different it's a different climate. So people often when they oh let's try this or let's try that, but you can try a different cuisine, but also think about the climate of that cuisine and kind of try to match it in the climate that you're in. Um and that uh, of course dosha compatibility, I don't I don't think we have time to go into the doshas now, but that's also important. And in terms of combining ingredients together, something that's that I see a lot is people eating fresh fruit with cooked food, like like serve fresh fruit at the end as as a dessert, for example, <laughs> because it's sweet. Um, but fresh fruit and cooked food they digest differently, and I'm sure you can explain really well, Vanti, because you're a doctor, but. They take different time to digest. They incorporate different digestive enzymes. So if you eat them together, it kind of creates confusion in the stomach. And bloating and gas are just guaranteed. Or mixing fruit, fresh fruit with any kind of dairy would be incompatible. What, I'm, what I always tell people is like, if you're having a digestive issue, or if just in general you're not feeling well, think about what you ate like two, three meals before, right? Think about the food you ate because we're not trained to connect how we feel with the food that we ate. But if you actually think about it, it was like, oh yeah, I had this smoothie with who knows what it was in it. And then I started feeling that way. So then you can you can make better choices the next time. You say, oh yeah, this is not working for me. <laughs> yeah. Those are all great tips. So the compatibility of seasonal, local, and then some of the eating uncooked fruits and vegetables with cooked vegetables and fruits, because they're going to take different times to digest in, in the digestive system. Um, those are amazing tips. Now, I want to go back to one thing you said before when you were talking about different digestions, because nobody has just a pure vata digestion or kapha or pitta, which is what you were describing, earth, fire, air, constitution, we all have combinations. And I know one digestive issue that I think is common and probably I suffer from also is, you know, this feeling of, especially around the holidays, um, that heaviness, but then also feeling quite hungry. It's like mm -hmm. this weird in between. What do we do about that? Because and I know, you know, physiologically, a lot of that is because of the sugars and all the different things that we're eating at these gatherings that can create cravings. But what do you do with, with that sort of situation, that feeling very heavy, lethargic, but at the same time feeling quite hungry? I would say, like, again, prepare your body for the holidays mm -hmm. and incorporate digestive, simple digestive aids during the holiday meal. Because you will not, if you just do these things, you will not experience that heaviness and hunger afterwards. The hunger can also be produced from, like, kind of from the mind, right? It's like, oh my God, we have so much food. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah. like, we have to eat it. Um, or sometimes if the food was not very nutritious, like, especially if, if the meal was prepared with all these canned, you know, you wanted to save time and you use the, canned pumpkin puree or tomato sauce or whatever and you had frozen vegetables like if you had like low nutrient if you use low nutrient ingredients and also i call them low prana ingredients prana is the life force is the living energy in food right so if if your food was not didn't have a lot of vitality then your body will be craving this so Sometimes the body is not just crave the body is craving nutrients, not just food. So food is meant to nourish us deeply. And if our food is not nutritious, we'll keep craving more. Because the body's like, I need to be nourished. And you're eating, but if your food is depleted of nutrients, then and that's how a lot of people um, can become obese or have, or have an eating disorder simply because they're malnourished. 
you may be overweight, but you're malnourished because you're not getting the real nutrients from food. Right. And I think what you just said is so important also is that it's not only the nutrients. And this is where the shift between a Western perspective and an Ayurvedic perspective is that, you know, it's nutrients are so important. Absolutely. And the life force energy, the prana is also really important. This is why so many people will come to me and say, you know, I've eliminated this, this, and this from my diet, or I'm eating all these quote nutrient dense foods and they don't feel well. It's because there's no prana in the foods that they're eating. You know, they're prepping all of these vegetables and salads and whatever ahead of time, you know, four days ahead, five days ahead, leaving them in their fridge. And then there's no life force energy left, which is, I think, such an important point to think about is the prana also nourishes us from the food. And so I think that's a that's a beautiful point to make. Let's switch over into some tips for holiday eating. And maybe we could just do sort of before prepping yourself before, during the meal and after the meal. I think that would probably be really, really helpful to the listeners. So what are some things that we can do before any meal, really, any gathering, but especially as we're going into this holiday season? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say, you know, enjoy your holidays, right? Like (laughs) holidays are a time for People to get together, spend time with the family, cook together, be around the dining table together. As you as you said in the beginning, food is such a connector, right? And when you think about it, so many important decisions and so many life changes are, are triggered at the dining table. I mean, when people come to your home, we usually sit around the dining table where we whether we're eating or talking. So the tiny table is so important. And when we gather together with the family, it's just, it's really important to enjoy this time. So, um, and don't feel guilty. Don't beat yourself up. If you know that something on the, a, a dish or two on the, in the meal are not the best for you, just taste them. Don't eat a lot of them. So before, so it's important to prepare your body, like lighten up, eat light eat light before the holiday meal, still light, but nourishing. So my favorite dish, and I'm sure you love this also, Avanti, is kichri. So kichri is the famous Indian one-pot meal with lentils and grains. You can add vegetables to it. And if you don't know how to make it, we we have our devious kichri packets. These are like, this is a meal in a packet, and it's full of prana because we, we actually wash the lentils and the grains, they're all organic. We dehydrate them and then we add spices to them. And all you have to do is boil water and add them to to the pot. And I will tell you, everybody who's listening, they are incredible. And I grew up in a South Asian household where my mom would make kitchery and these packets are seriously a savior. I have, I think 10 or 15 in my in my pantry. And I, I use them all the time. So yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. I use them all the time also because when when I'm very busy and I don't have time to cook, this is like a no-brainer, very quick to make. I can still work while, while it's cooking, um, but it's very nourishing and delicious. So so you could use, or uh, in my cookbooks, on, on our website, in the journal, we have kitchen recipes. So you can um, you can make this before and after to keep it light because it, it's rich in protein. It will nourish you deeply, but it will also kind of open, clear, kind of clear the channels in your body to, for the heavy, <laughs> for the heavy load, so to say. And during the holidays, what I would suggest is maybe don't have the dinner, let's say Thanksgiving, which is coming up now. Don't have it too late at night. Like maybe start, start gathering around four o'clock and serve the meal around five so that so that you can finish dinner by six seven and then you still have a couple of hours before you go to bed to allow you to digest to digest the meal and also whatever you're preparing because even if you try to follow ayurvedic principles your mom or your dad or your sister you know they probably don't care about these things or they don't know about it so you don't want to pressure them but but maybe make a tea. I mean, make a digestive tea. 
something with ginger and um uh, like in my in joy of balance i have this really nice tea I, I call it immune boost tea with ginger cardamom ajwine seeds and fennel seeds ajwine is an indian spice that's actually really really good for when you feel heavy and nauseous in your stomach um or you could just toast some toast dry fennel seeds dry toast them and then have like half a teaspoon and chew them and swallow them after each meal and you will be surprised how it creates this space and this lightness in the stomach mm -hmm. that's amazing okay so those are great tips of things to be doing during the meal and then before and after are there any tips for after the meal anything else besides the mono diet of kitchery lighten up Yes. So, well, after the meal, right after, you could lie down on your left side. Yes. <laughs> In the yoga ashram, we used to call this LSD. It's like, I'm going to take LSD after my meal. And I'm like, what? <laughs> they like, it's, it's the left side down. Left um, side down. I love you're that. You're not really sleeping. You're kind of reclining on your left side, allowing the bile and, and everything to kind of Low, it, it, you'll be surprised if you just lie down on your left side for about 15 minutes you'll be surprised how much better you feel after you kneel so that helps right after and also the um the fennel seeds right after the meal that helps a lot and take take a little walk so right after your meal just walking especially if you have nature around it like go with your sibling or whatever and take a little walk in nature this will help a lot and then the next day, the next day, if you if you start have your next meal when you actually feel hungry, like if you're not hungry for breakfast, just have tea. Don't don't eat and wait until you feel hungry, and then you have the next meal. And hopefully, it's a freshly made meal and it's not leftover because the leftovers are real culprits for continuing to feel heavy and gaining weight around the holidays. Yeah, I think that's a big one to really keep in mind. I know there's this whole thing about leftovers, especially after Thanksgiving and eating them and making sandwiches and this and that. And it is honestly one of the worst things that you can do is to eat leftovers because it's just, like you said, going to continue that heaviness and make it your digestion even more difficult in the sense of you're going to feel that lethargy or you're just going to feel really, really heavy. And again, you know, from that perspective of the, of the nourishment, right, the prana, the life force energy has slowly seeped out. I mean, it was there the day before when you were cooking and preparing and having it freshly made. But by the time you get to it the next day, most of the prana has left it. And so it is not nourishing actually. Yes. Yes. And if I know many people would disagree with this. I understand, I understand that because that's part of the American culture, but you have to understand leftovers come with a price and usually the, our digestive system is paying the price. So whether it's lethargy and heaviness or gaining weight or just, just getting really bloated, whatever it may be, but will have to pay the price. I mean, there are certain things like baked goods or sauces. These things you can have, but the main dishes that you cook, especially with fat, and, and then you refrigerate it, and then you reheat it or ate cold, <laughs> that, that's what will cause a lot of stress in your digestive system. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I want to just really quickly, as we're, you know, winding up our time together, talk about your masterclasses that you've just released, because I think that they are, first of all, they are beautifully, beautifully produced. I mean, the care you. that you took to create these, I mean, I was blown away by the quality and just the depth of information that you give in a very understandable way. And so Let's talk about these masterclasses. Why did you decide to, to make them? Because I know we talked about it. It was a, a long production time for this to happen. Yes. Well, thank you, Vanti. It means a lot coming from you. Oh, no, I love them. <laughs> thank you. Um, well, you know, I've been teaching cooking classes since 2009 here in New York City. And I've had 
thousands and thousands of people who who've taken our in-person classes. And then we created the culinary training, which in person was only a small group of 12 people for like six to nine months every year. And then COVID happened. So, <laughs> and we couldn't gather. So we kind of divided our culinary training into two parts. And the first part of the foundations, we could teach um, online entirely. But then, you know, with my cookbooks, so many people, because they're distributed all over the world, and my first book is already in its ninth edition, and people reach out to me from all over the world, and they will be like, I really want to study with you. I want to learn this. and But I cannot come to New York City. <laughs> or not everybody can commit to a six or nine month training, for which is very detailed, and it takes a lot of as you know, it takes a lot of homework assignments and all that. So I'm a little behind. I'll admit to my <laughs> my teacher, I'm a little behind, but yes, I'll catch up. That's okay. We're still in the beginning. You yes. have time to catch up. <laughs> but but the thing is that so if you don't have time to commit to that or the money to commit to that, um, my husband was like, Why don't we do something in between? Like something that people like lessons on Ayurvedic cooking that are produced in a very systematic way that people can access from all over the world at, at a very affordable price. So I'm like, okay, we've never done this, but let's do it. Yep. <laughs> so we, uh, and we didn't know how long the end product will be, but I created the script and I, I knew that this is what I want to give. This is a great beginning. It helps you to learn the basics of food in term, from an Ayurvedic culinary perspective, but also I teach the techniques and so many recipes for staples for spices and how to use spices and make the spice blends, how to incorporate spices into recipes and making a meal, um, how to make ghee and yogurt and almond milk and coconut milk and and most recipes. I teach, how many recipes do I teach for the whole thing? It's about 17, 18 recipes. Wow. And so the master classes, there are five classes and each class is divided into segments. So you can take a break and the workbooks, each workbook is like 30 pages with all the recipes, with all the explanations, exercises, charts for you to understand the six tastes of food and all that. So because I'm a, I, I see myself primarily as a teacher and educator and I've feel great pleasure when I am able to help people learn. And I always, I don't just present to entertain you. I present things in a way to help you learn and incorporate this in your life. So it came out to eight and a half hours of total wow. produced video time. And I was like, wow, this is, <laughs> this is a lot. <laughs> it's an in-depth course and it's really a very beautiful foundation. And I think what I like the best about it, I haven't finished all of the classes, but I love that you give very actionable steps, that you make it applicable to your real life. It's not just a bunch of theory. The theory is very, very important in Ayurveda. Absolutely. Understanding why you're doing what you're doing, but taking it from that place, that's the gift of a teacher like you who can take this information that can be very confusing and esoteric at times, and also a very different perspective than Western culture, right? We're, we're talking about a complete perspective shift of how you look at food. And you're taking all these concepts and making it accessible and applicable and usable in daily life, right? Because learning all the knife skills and learning about all this, you know, the spices and all this stuff, that's wonderful. But then if you don't know how to use it in your kitchen and apply it to your meals on a daily basis and help yourself heal, then what's the point, right? And so I feel that that's what you do so beautifully in these well, classes. Well, thank you, Avanti. You really summed up the, the, <laughs> the aim of everything I do right now. But yes, because the goal is, the, the goal of the masterclasses, my books and everything is to really inspire you to prepare your meals at home because mm -hmm. that's the healthiest for you and your family and um it's also it's time consuming so 
in the second class, setting up your Ayurvedic kitchen, we have a whole segment about time-saving tips in the kitchen. And the action, I love this class because it's, and I, people who've been watching the classes, they're like, oh my God, I reorganized my, you really helped me reorganize my whole kitchen. I'm so much more efficient. It takes me less time to prepare a bit because I know where everything is. And so uh, there are there are simple things that you can do in, in your life to incorporate more fresh meals and feel better and feel happier. And that's what I try to present. Yeah, no, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. And so, you know, to everyone listening, if you have ever, you know, really wanted to learn about Ayurveda cooking and this philosophy, I think that this is a beautiful way to learn. And from somebody who is just a gifted teacher and has so many, I mean, you have 30 plus years of experience in the culinary arts and Ayurveda. And so you know what you're doing, you know what you're talking about. And you also come from a very authentic place of wanting to teach this because this is also your calling. This is your dharma. I know we had a discussion about that as well, because I was asking you, you know, why did you decide to do this? I mean, the restaurant business is hard. And that too, a very niche Ayurvedic vegetarian (laughs) restaurant in New York City. It's not an easy path. It's not an easy path. Yeah, but it's it's my life and, and it gives me great joy when I'm able to share this with people. So it's difficult, but it's it brings me joy. <laughs> yeah. And how lucky are we all that it brings you joy because you you're teaching us so much and really empowering all of us. And so this feels like a good place for us to end this episode together because I promise my listeners, that you will be back. I will make sure that I get you back on the podcast because you have so much wisdom to share. But if I offer up the phrase to you, the health catalyst, what comes up for you? Open heart. Mm. Because real, real healing and health really leads us to opening our hearts and to experiencing a life full of love, full of receiving love and and sharing love. And and that's what we really need in the world today. Divya, thank you so much for being with me today. I absolutely adore you. I am so excited to learn more from you in this culinary training that I am now in with you. And thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this very meaningful conversations. And thank you for everything that you do, Avanti. You're a a true health catalyst. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, Vivia. Thanks again for listening to The Healing Catalyst. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass it along to a friend. And if you're feeling really inspired, please rate and review so that others can find this podcast more easily. To learn more, head to avantikumarsingh.com. And to connect with me directly, find me on Instagram at Avanti Kumar Singh. I'll be back next week and hope that you will be too. Until then, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing because healing starts within.